0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, your three-legged stool coming to you from the Northland, talking all things houses, home inspections, and anything else that's rattling around in our brain. Well, welcome to part two of home inspection mishaps, misadventures, and costly phone calls. We just finished up with Neil. Neil gave us uh, gave us about 45 minutes of, of good stories. But Ruben's list is quite long, and, and Tessa's got oh, I don't, half as many. Now she shakes her head. She made one or two mistakes in her tenure. So, Nobody's
1: got more than me, Bill. My claim is I've made more mistakes than any other home inspector on the planet. Prove me
0: well, wrong. <laughs> that's true, right? There's an old saying, at least from, like, in the surgical world, if you don't have complications, you're not doing enough surgery. So, if if you're out there and you're and you're practicing your craft, you will end up with with issues. It's just the numbers game. So, all Mistakes right, Ruben, we're just
2: gonna... a learning opportunity. Yes, sure. and I've had so many
1: learning opportunities, Tess. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, me too. <laughs> I've learned so many lessons over the years. I shared a handful of mine last week when we were talking to my pops and I know I've shared a lot of these on the podcast over the years but they've all just kind of been in passing there was a episode we recorded back in our podcast infancy hmm. back when we used to have commercials on our podcast every 7 minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah we did a podcast on home inspection mistakes, but I re-listened to it, and we really didn't cover a whole lot of mistakes we had made. We had Jim on at the time, and you know it was a pretty short list, and I just recently published a blog post talking about my top 20 home inspection mistakes, and I just went with 20 because it seemed like a good number, but I surely could have done 30 if I wanted to because <laughs> the list is so long, and I thought instead of having people kind of listen for them in different episodes, let's just put them all together and in one episode. Let's list them out. So we had my dad come on and share a bunch last week that he's made. I, I shared a few of mine and went ahead of time and shared them on that show. Tess, I know you shared a couple, but you've surely got a couple more. And I thought, why don't I just start with my list? And Tess, I'm surely going to trigger some of your mistakes and you just jump in when it's appropriate. If, if you resonate with any of these or you've made the same ones. I'm sure we'll I will. too. So, well, yeah,
2: for anybody listening, if you're a home inspector, sit back, relax, and hopefully learn from our mistakes. And if you're not a home inspector, this should be really entertaining,
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I I will say this too. It makes us sound really stupid and incompetent when we're sharing all these things. <laughs> and I'll say that we have grown a lot. These are stories that we tell to people who are in training to Mm -hmm. let them know, look, don't make these same mistakes that we've made. We have so many more processes, so many more steps in place. And back when I was out in the field doing inspections, I had a different level of confidence. It was like, if I break something, it's coming out of my pocket and I'm going to fix it and I'm going to take this risk. But the inspectors on our team now don't take these stupid risks because they're thinking this is not my money. And if I break it, someone else is paying for it and I'm not, not going to want that. So I, I think the inspectors on our team are a lot wiser than I ever was. They, they don't well, I make think the your processes mistakes.
0: too, though the processes you develop in response to the mistakes, you can probably get to the same end information without doing what you were doing when you ran into trouble. Right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. We, we've reduced our risks through a lot, painful learning.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: So Here's the first one, and this is one I know I've shared it on the podcast. You guys are going to know where I'm going with this as soon as I start telling it. But the lesson here is always look inside the dishwasher before you turn it on, before you run (laughs) it. (laughs) So this was one where the listing agent was there for the home inspection, which is really unusual, but he just hung out in the kitchen. Very rare. But the sellers wanted him there. They were very paranoid about their house, and he just hung out in the kitchen. He wasn't intrusive or anything. But he was there when I was about to start the dishwasher. And I looked inside real briefly, closed it, and he said, Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's where the homeowners keep their laptops for showings. <laughs> so he, he pulls open the top tray, and there's the homeowner's laptop sitting in the dishwasher. I just I, I came this close to destroying their laptops.
0: Oh my so gosh.
1: Always look inside the dishwasher before you run it. That's, That's divine. So ridiculous. Intervention. That was divine intervention. Yeah, so glad that guy was sitting there. Number two goes along with that hand in hand is always look inside the oven before you turn it on, too. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of home inspectors have destroyed a lot of things. For me, I don't remember exactly what it was that I destroyed. It was surely something made out of plastic and it melted and it smelled horrible, and it was black smoke coming out of the oven. Oh, and I had to take this melted, gooey mess out of there. I, I ruined something of the homeowners, and I, I I remember I ended up paying for it. But I never made that mistake again. If you're gonna turn the oven on, whatever you do, look inside because people like to store stuff in there. Yeah, I do.
0: I I mean, there's <laughs> there's a pile of stuff in our oven. Yeah, I, my wife I, crazy.
1: I've put stuff inside my oven too, but it's always stuff that's oven safe, like mm-hmm. cookware.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have 55 pounds of cast iron in there.
1: Yeah. That's a safe thing to put in there. So last week we were talking to my dad and we, we talked about losing keys or getting locked out of houses. I have a story about that. And my my takeaway here is never leave your keys on the counter. Back in the day, before we had the electronic lockboxes that we have now, today if we want to get into a house and it's got an electronic lockbox, we've just got this app on our phone and we use our phone to get into the house. But back in the day, we had an actual electronic key. It would would pop into the lockbox, you'd punch in your code, and then you'd get in. Well, I don't know what I was thinking. Somehow I managed to put my car keys and my electronic lockbox on the counter And they were still sitting there when I left and locked up the house. Oh, no. I've got no car keys to go anywhere and I'm (laughs) locked out of the house. That was super embarrassing. Thankfully, buyers and everybody had left. We had said our goodbyes. I had done my final walkthrough and and then locked it up. So They didn't know what an idiot I was, but (laughs) I ended up having to call my pops. I think it was just he and I in the company at the time. And he ended up coming over and unlocking the house for me. Thankfully, this was a house that was two blocks from our office. It was an easy drive for him, but he wasn't home when I was calling. So I had to sit around at the house, just hanging out in the front yard for about 45 minutes till he got home. That was super stupid.
2: Well, would you rather sit in the yard for 45 minutes or drive across town, get home and realize you had their key in your pocket still and then have to drive all the way back across
1: town. Oh Tess, I have definitely done that. <laughs> yes. Definitely done that. And the way it works, it's so easy to do. Yeah. It's, it's where you take the key, you lock the house up, and then the buyers want to shake your hand, and yep. then you you just you put it in your pocket and then you you say your goodbyes and then it turns into a 10 minute conversation. And yes. then you're like, yep, yeah, house is locked, you check it, and then you leave. Yep. And then you got the key in your pocket. Oh, exactly. that's so frustrating. Yeah.
2: I have done that a few times.
0: Yep. Going back to ovens, have you ever just tested them and forgot to turn them off, only to get a call later asking why you left my oven on? Yes. Have you? Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, and they were a great, weren't they?
2: Well, you know, luckily I had, I think I had talked to the seller because they they showed up at the end, and so they had. They called me directly to let me know that I had left it on, and thank goodness. Yeah, they were not happy for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I only did that once. I I've probably done it. I don't think I've ever personally got a complaint call about it, but I do remember one time where I was positive I had left the oven on, and I had someone else on our team who was somewhat close by, drive over to the house to check for me. And I had indeed turned it off, but wow. I was just I was positive I left it on. Mm-hmm. And and we, we now have a protocol in place where the last thing we do is go around the house with our infrared camera and do a sweep of everything. We're checking ceilings for leaks, we're checking for hot spots and we're making sure all the lights are off. And it's also, you know, sweep over the oven and make sure that it's cooling down. Make sure the oven's still not hot. It's a good way to make sure that you're not leaving the oven on. Is that last little sweep of the house.
0: I remember yeah. a call once from a homeowner. who was pretty hot. They had finished a, an attic space. And of course, you, there's no ductwork to it. So their only heat source was an electric baseboard heater. And it was being tested. You, you crank them up and you get it hot and then you turn them off. Well, unfortunately, this was left on like high in the summertime. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. And so when he went into this room for whatever reason, several days later, he's like, What the? And. Yeah, he was pretty hot about his hot situation. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, that'll make people really upset. And, you know, something I've found, it's a little lesson that I've talked to the inspectors on our team, is if you're going to change the thermostat settings for heat or cool, five degrees is a good number. Because if it's 70 degrees when you come in and, and you forget to reset the thermostat and it's 75, it'll be a little warmer than people are used to and it's not the end of the world. But if it's 10 degrees more, if they walk in and it's 80 degrees, people are furious. I mean, that five degree difference is huge. So I I like to move the thermostat by five degrees just in the unlikely case that I forget. I'm not going to get an angry phone call about it.
2: And you've never had a problem with the furnace like turning off before you get your testing done. That's enough time.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, that is enough time. Yep. I I don't have it running that long. I'll turn it up and then I'll go down to the furnace. I want to be there when the furnace fires up Mm -hmm. and I'll kind of hang out and do my stuff in the utility room as the furnace is heating up and I'll be there to make sure that it doesn't short cycle and shut off. Mm -hmm. Yep.
2: Yeah. I like that tip. Five degrees. I think I used to do 10, but you're right. If you forget or something, it's quite noticeable.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Way more noticeable than, than five degrees. Another one I got here, Tess, you'll appreciate this one, is Mm -hmm. never test GFCI outlets on the outside of the house (sighs) until you have access to the garage. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because if, if you're using your GFCI tester and you use that remote test button and you trip a GFCI inside a garage and the only access to the garage is through the overhead door well, you've cut power to the garage now, and the garage door opener ain't gonna get you in, and you have no way of resetting it. So, good luck explaining that to the homeowners. I mean that that is your problem as a home inspector, and you need to figure out how to fix it.
0: So, you're talking about a detached garage, or or one that it's, doesn't have a. a it's surely going to be
1: a detached garage. Yeah.
2: The only yep. way in is the actual garage door itself.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I I know I know everyone's thinking, well, okay fine. Just don't test the outlets on the garage. No, no. I had a situation where they had the inside GFCI receptacle protecting the exterior outlets on the house that was not a part of the same structure. I don't know why you would run all that wire. (laughs) You could have run a $15 outlet, but they did it. And that sucked. I'll put it that way.
2: You know, you, you set it up perfectly because, well, I feel stupid saying this, but I did test the the GFCI outlet on the outside of the detached garage and it was one that only had the garage door to get in. And sure enough, of course, that tripped it. And then I had no way to get into the garage or to reset it. And I remember calling you, Ruben. I was like in a panic. And this was a, this was a, um, an inspection for an agent who uses us a lot. And he, he's a very knowledgeable agent. And I think it was one of the first inspections I had done for him. And it was a big deal. And I, and I was outside. I was like oh no there's no way i can get into this garage and the the sellers are going to come home and be pissed and this looks embarrassing in front of the their agent and everything and so i called you ruben i'm like ruben what do i do and like immediately you sent me this link do you remember to this youtube oh, video sure bo-
1: because i had used that youtube video myself to fix my problem <laughs> Well, yes.
2: okay so this YouTube video is like a five minute video on how to basically like break into a garage with a coat
1: hanger <laughs> and, and we'll leave it at that we don't want to <laughs> give anybody any bad ideas but it can be done we'll we'll leave it at that
2: all you need is a wire coat hanger and let me just say I happen to have one in my car. <laughs> And I used it. lucky.
1: I was like, Tessa, you you don't by chance have a wire coat hanger in your car. (laughs) You're like, well, yes, I have one. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Now, Now, this is dating this particular garage and this particular garage door. Because garage doors with that overhead spring, they don't have locks on them, do they?
1: Um. I, I'm not going to explain how to do it, but I could break into just about any garage with this method, Bill. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yep. Moving yep. along. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Nothing to see at all. Yep.
2: <laughs> I did that without even the uh, the agent who was sitting there at the table. The entire inspection had no clue that that happened. <laughs> So thank You got you. it done
1: thank so quickly. And you yes. told me that story. And I was like, this girl is a rock star. She <laughs> she has got some game. She just oh, busted into that garage. And you texted me like 10 minutes later, and you were in. I was like, <sighs> wow. She's she's a player. Um <laughs> on that, on testing GFCIs. Another little piece of advice is our, our GFCI testers, that little thing you plug into an outlet, it's got a little button on there to test it. Don't ever use that on a GFCI receptacle. They're handy if you're gonna remote test a GFCI and you and you wanna see if the outlet you're testing is GFCI protected. It's handy for that, but don't use it in any other circumstance. There was a house, this is in Bloomington, the homeowner that the quote unquote handy homeowner had finished off their basement and they had put GFCIs in every location, not knowing that you can have one GFCI protect all the rest of the outlets downstream from it. They just installed GFCIs in every location. So I take my GFCI tester, I hit the the button on there and it trips all of the GFCIs in the basement. And I just hear this like all these outlets click at the same time. And the basement is filled with stuff. They've got outlets hidden inside cabinets they have oh, got no. stored stuff everywhere I think it was an illegal basement kitchen that they had put in and oh. there's gfis everywhere and the only way you can reset them a gfci will not reset unless it has power so you had to reset them in the same order that that they're wired in you oh, got to find the first one reset that fi- find the second one otherwise it won't reset so I must have spent 45 minutes moving boxes, opening cabinet doors, exposing every GFCI I could find, and resetting them in the correct order. Took forever. What a nightmare. Yeah. From that day forward, I never used the button on my tester.
0: Electrical (laughs) safety in the illegal kitchen. you Gotta love it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, gosh.
2: I've had my fair share of GFCIs, too, that have tripped, and you don't know where the reset one is located and a lot of times it's like in a basement under the stairwell behind all the boxes or in a garage behind built-in shelving or, you know, just some extremely inconvenient place.
0: Yes. The worst case, yes. behind the chest freezer that's no longer working, <laughs> that will yep. declare itself at some point in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: You know, It got to a point where we encouraged all of our home inspectors to bring extension cords with them just in case you trip a GFCI and you can't find it and it provides power to that deep freezer or you trip a GFCI and it goes bad. Sometimes GFIs will go bad. You simply Mm -hmm. press the test button and that's the last test it had in it and it's done now and it was powering a freezer. You're going to want to run an extension cord so you're
0: not wrecking
1: people's food. Good recommendation.
0: Yep. That that freezer, it's, it's never good because the contents are always invaluable. That was the invaluable. salmon we fished in Alaska and we sent home. I remember that story. The, another story. That was my father's elk that he, you know. <laughs> <laughs> was like, oh. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh. Here's another one, not related to electrical. We're talking uh, ladder safety and, and roofs. Never walk on a wet wood roof. Now everybody surely knows this, but there was there was a wood roof where it was it was a morning inspection, it was a cold day, there was a little bit of frost on the roof but the sun was out. The sun had burned all the frost off and and it was grippy. It was fine. I walked all around. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a steep slope either. I mean, it was like a 412. So I felt perfectly safe walking around on it until I stepped in a shaded section of the roof where mm-hmm. the sun hadn't burned that frost off yet. And I went down so fast and I just slid. Oh. And I think my toe caught the gutter, which is what stopped me. But it would have been so easy for me to go right off that roof. So, Was that
2: a two-story house?
1: No, it was a one-story, thankfully. But still. But still. Yeah. Super scary. Wow. So just be very careful about never walking on wet wood roofs. They Mm -hmm. are downright scary.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a handyman who's done work for us, and uh, he fell off a one-story roof. He fractured his – he had a compound fracture of his – Tib-fib and uh, poking through the skin kind of thing. It was ugly. Oh, it was ugly. And it was only eight feet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <sighs> Eight-foot fall is no joke. Mm-mm. All right. More on ladder safety and roofs. You and my pops talked about this last week, Tess, talking about bringing, I think it was bringing a ladder up onto a roof maybe, or maybe it was just walking a roof where you had bad granules, right?
2: Yeah. It was It was a 28-foot ladder with oh, a yeah. three-tab roof with bad, yeah, loose granules on it.
1: Okay, all right. Well mine's a little different. You know, every once in a while we will leapfrog a roof where you've got your little giant ladder. I, I would always carry a little tiny, little giant style ladder, like a little thirteen foot ladder that you can just mm-hmm. throw over your shoulder. So or telescoping to... ladder. Or telescoping, yeah, good yeah. point. Yeah, those those would work for this too. And so you bring that ladder up to the roof and you set it on a peak to get to a higher section of roof. Now, I don't have a problem doing that. That's fine. But don't ever set that ladder on a sloped section of roof. (laughs) (laughs) I I see where
2: you're going with this and my hands are getting sweaty.
1: (laughs) I did that on a couple of roofs when I was fairly new in this profession and didn't have any problems. But then I did one where it was just... it. It didn't have enough grip, and I was walking up onto that upper roof, and the ladder slipped out on me, and I went down hard and i i didn't I didn't fall down to the lower roof, but I did fall, and oh, that that was so scary, and that's the last time I ever did that
2: ooh, yeah. Very scary. I've been tempted to set up a telescoping ladder on a slight slope before to get to an upper part of a roof. But hearing that story, it's like, I'm glad I never did that. It it always made me a little bit nervous. Only if you're able to set that ladder on a, like a, like a gable roof or a peak or something like that. So it's not going anywhere. it straddles the peak. Yeah. So it straddles the peak. Yep. One foot on each side of the peak. That's the only time I'll do that. I have
0: zero confidence in telescopic ladders. I I think they're either going to smash your finger or they're going to just fold in the middle when I'm halfway up them. I <laughs> I just, I wouldn't get on one ever under any circumstance, even just, uh, they're great to yeah. like go up into the attic. But those things You know, just- there's,
2: there's, there's different quality telescoping ladders. And, you know, they range from a hundred bucks to two or three hundred dollars. And, and I invested in a good one and I'm glad that I did. I never had any problems with it pinching my fingers or collapsing on me you, i mean there's locks that indicate whether or not it's you know it's locked in place and stuff so i i had good luck with mine but i do there are lots of i've seen them collapse on people when they're climbing on them if they don't ensure they're locked in place <laughs> they can be dangerous
1: Which one is that test throw out a brand
2: i have the extended climb and it's okay i forget how to spell it but i think it's like x and then right. t-e-n-d a, it
1: starts with an x you're right yep yep
0: I don't. You're like shaking modular.
1: your head, Bill. No, Bill no. <laughs> doesn't care.
0: Again, this is this is back to other life experience. And there's nothing as solid as something that's solid. And uh, I mean, I, no need to go into medical device, but with, the more pieces you try to construct into one solid body, the weaker the whole construct is going to be. And that's just what I see in telescopic ladders. And you you see some of the bowing, and it's just no thing. <laughs> Well, I
2: mean, if you're a a 300-pound person, you want to make sure your ladder is rated for you, whatever ladder you use.
0: Yeah, that's also important, right? Like, get the the appropriate ladder for the body habitus that you are. That goes without saying. But I think some people don't even pay attention to those sorts of details. Yep. There's some big people. I'm not ripping on anybody. I'm just saying that sometimes convenience trumps safety. And it's like, ah, I'm just going to run up there and get that one thing. And I'll be down, and it it won't be a problem, right? And you get there, and maybe it is. I don't know. I like yeah. being on the ground for anybody who Always can't. When you're figure in a hurry. Out.
1: Here's another one on ladders. Now, this one is just such a no-duh thing, but never put your ladder on any kind of icy surface, on a yeah. slippery surface. I remember there was an inspection I was doing with Melind and Dwayne. This was way back in the day. Mm. And shout, we out were, shout out to Dwayne. We were, <laughs> we we're getting onto a flat roof. I think Melind went up first, and I put my foot there to keep the keep the ladder thing where uh, the ladder feet where it was. And then I, I think the idea was it was just going to be melinda And then he's like, Hey, you know, this is interesting, blah, blah, blah. And I was just so curious. I had to get up there. So I went up there without anybody putting their foot on, on, on my ladder feet. <laughs> and mm-hmm. sure enough, that ladder slipped. And I was, I was right at the top and I was able to kind of fall and roll onto the roof and grab the ladder before it went down. Wow. But, oh my goodness. Was that a close call? And I've, I've never made that mistake again. I icy wow. surface don't have anything to do with it.
0: Uh, it hurts thinking about it. And the only, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were, my wife and I were sitting in our kitchen one day looking out the window because we have a computer near a window in our kitchen and we we're looking at something and our neighbors had some issues with squirrels. And the pest control guy was over trying to deal with a squirrel that was in the cage and making noise. And, and he put up a ladder, leaned it up against the house. Exact situation that you're seeing, Ruben. He, uh, it was in snow. He put it, got up there, got the squirrel cage. And then all of a sudden the ladder started going. And we watched it. We watched it in like slow motion. And he's got the cage in one hand. He's... Now falling, the ladder's going. There's nothing he can do. He can't get on the roof. He has to ride this out. This thing comes crashing down. He's, you know, he hits, bounces on his belly. The cage with the squirrel goes flying. He got up and he had no idea that there were two people watching this whole thing happen, right? And he's just like, whoa. So we ran over and we're like, are you okay? Are you okay? Because anytime you fall, it's a big deal, right? And so he declined all of that, but it was just... It was painful to watch it happen in slow motion. Be careful you know, on I, ladders.
2: Yes. Yeah, I was, I was going to say ice is no good. If you've got a little bit of snow, I found that that actually helps hold the ladder in place. So yes. I don't mind that, but I, mean, I will, I'll never set my ladder on a, like on a wet or mossy wood deck either.
1: Oh yeah. Super scary. Yeah. yeah. Never do that.
2: I mean, no. if it's like a little giant and you're setting up like an A-frame, okay. Well, you know, that, that'll totally work. Totally different. But, yeah. yeah.
1: Now. Now, you talk about setting up the little giant in the A-frame. I got one about that too. Ooh. <laughs> so sometimes if you've got an attic access in the middle of a hallway, we'll do the A-frame approach to get up there. And I would get in the habit of, I, I, I would put the attic access panel back into place. And as I'm climbing down the ladder, I would hit the two unlock tabs at the top of my ladder as I'm coming down Yeah. because it's not going to slide anywhere on carpet. So you can hit those unlock buttons and it kind of saves you a step of collapsing your ladder. Well, we usually put plastic down underneath our ladders to make sure that if insulation doesn't come down, if insulation comes down, you don't have a mess. Well, I had done that on hardwood flooring, (laughs) which is just super slick. So I, I get down, I put the ladder... I I put the attic panel back in place and then I hit the two unlock buttons, and my ladder (laughs) instantly does the splits. (laughs) Both end just shot right out while I'm on the ladder. And this is another one of those deals where I had an angel looking out for me because somehow I was able to jump off and catch my ladder before it wrecked the floor. No way. yeah, I jumped off on the side. Melinda was there. He can attest to it. He saw oh this my happen.
2: Gosh, you're so acrobatic, Reuben. How did you not like fly through the wall and punch a hole in their drywall?
1: Guardian angels. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's looking out. What do they say? Uh, God looks out for the the drunks and the stupid, or something like that. I. <laughs> I don't know. I think
0: this, the saying is, there by the grace of God, I go. Uh, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it.
2: Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll Same thing. Yep.
0: Yeah. So the, the
1: lesson
2: wow. there is
0: don't
1: unlock your A-frame ladder until you're off of it.
2: <laughs> Smart. Yep.
0: Good. Yep. Good
2: advice.
0: Okay. Last thing I'll say about ladders and then I'll stop with my rant. Be careful. Count steps down. Make sure you're on the ground when you think you're on the ground. Right? Mm. Don't skip or miss the last step and jam your foot into the ground because that can cause serious problems too.
1: Okay. All right. You ever done that?
0: Uh, no, but uh, again, harkening, going back twenty years of my life, uh, sitting in in a meeting with uh, some orthopedic surgeons who had that happen. It's a long story, but Hennepin County used to have a trauma conference every Monday where all the ortho reps would go down and and see what happened over the weekend and hear the docs talk about. Some guy had a he was on call and he had this had this person come in and they stepped off the ladder, they missed the bottom step, jammed their heel into the ground and completely collapsed like their blew up their ankle into multiple pieces and the attending doc is like, Yeah, well, we're gonna fuse that on like a twenty eight year old. So just because I, he missed a foot in the last step of his ladder. It I'm, was
1: I'm I'm calling BS. He fell off the ladder and he didn't want to admit it. Well,
0: I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just Wild. going by the story. So, but you can jam, you can jam body parts. Anyway, sure. I digress. Go, let's go back to broken home inspections. That's, that's more interesting. Broken home? Yeah, no, broken home inspections. Those oh, mistakes oh, okay. that you regret okay. making. Sure.
2: <laughs> I didn't know what you were talking about either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right,
1: what? here's, here's one. I if, if I were in charge, you wouldn't be allowed to get those locks, those locking handle sets on front doors and garage doors that you can lock on the inside and then pull the door shut behind you and it's locked. Oh. Every house I've owned, I have removed those. My on uh, my front door, my garage door, whatever, it is a passage handle set that does mm-hmm. not lock, and I rely on the deadbolt to keep my house secure. You don't need that extra lock. That is a recipe for getting locked out of your house. I hate those things. As a home inspector, it is just. It is completely unless I don't you know have what, the key what, with what the you in is. your pocket. Yeah, will
2: the key let you back well, in. Well,
1: and, and the key that you have in your pocket means for, for that particular one. Okay. Ask me, how I know Tess? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was there was a house where I had gone out on the second floor balcony to oh, access no. the roof. I brought my ladder inside with me. And got up on the roof, did my inspection, went to go back in, and the door was locked behind me. Of course, the key I've got in my pocket doesn't work because they're not all key to light. Right. Clients are inside the house along with the agent. And here I am locked on the balcony like a doofus. Let doofle. me in. Let me in. Wow, I didn't do that. You know what <laughs> I did, right? You called him. Did you jump down? No, I had my ladder with me. I threw my ladder over the balcony, right, and then and I climbed down. down. <laughs> and went back in the other way. And I'm sure they were kind of scratching their head, like, "What did you do?" They probably figured it out, yeah. But they were they were smooth. tactful enough not to ask me, "Did you just lock yourself out of the house?" Very smooth. <laughs> yeah. Another one here's here's kind of ladder safety in attics. Is if you're walking around in an attic and we walk around in attics, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're walking on that cross bracing on, on the trusses and you're way up in the air, always put your foot on the truss and the cross bracing, the two at the same time. Don't walk in the middle of the cross bracing. I mean, mm-hmm. even though a two by four should easily hold me, there was one attic where I had stepped on that two by four and I, I stepped in the middle of it and it was almost all knocked. not. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I busted it, and I went down probably wow. eight feet. And I, <gasps> the, the truss—I I had my arm over the truss, so I kind of slid at an angle. I think it slowed my fall a little. Yeah. And I got these nasty bruises in my in my armpit and my side. But mm. the worst was I broke the fall with my shin on the bottom <sighs> cord of the truss. Oh. And and my knee went through the ceiling. My dad kind of hinted at this last week about putting your foot through a, a ceiling. And I, I didn't put my foot through, but my knee punched a hole in the kitchen ceiling. <sighs> you, I mean, you couldn't actually see my knee. It didn't go that far through, but it, the drywall busted. So oh that was gosh. an expensive mistake. That, super that, painful.
2: Yeah, that sounds really painful. I, yeah. Just I from had a s- knot. Yeah. yeah, stepping on a knot and it bra- the the wood breaks. I I had a similar story as you were describing, that. I remembered falling. This was a huge attic. It was almost like two stories tall, and I was climbing up through the trusses and I stepped on some cross bracing and here's my tip, always make sure you're stepping on cross bracing that's nailed to the truss. Oh. There was one where it was like I don't know, it wasn't securely nailed and the nail was kind of coming out and I and I stepped on it without realizing it and it and it detached from the truss, and I start falling, and luckily I I did the same thing you did, Ruben. I like my arms – stuck my arms out and caught myself, but I was like all bruised up and Oh my God, I was, I, I thought I was going through the ceiling because I I mean, yeah. it just happened like that, you know, but luckily I, I was able to stop myself in the trusses. It just, oh, it hurts so bad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then all Painful my tools lesson. flew out too, because I was wearing my tool belt and I was going through the trusses. And so then I spent the next like 30 minutes trying to find, pick up all my tools. Oh.
0: That's, that's a dangerous situation. Cause if you hit a gusset plate, I mean, those things are sharp. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yep you the, take out an artery you on your leg and be oh. an attic somewhere help <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so
1: for, so this for is addicts <laughs> i know for addicts bill you shared last week about how you had stepped on a recess light while walking around in an attic I've got my famous story where I was walking around in an attic, stepping on the bottom cords of trusses. There was barely any insulation. So it's not like I was smooshing insulation down. And for the record, we don't walk in insulation and trample it. Mm -hmm. But there was barely any insulation. It was just enough. That's why we have these horror truss truss stories,
2: because we're not stepping on the insulation. We're trying to walk above it.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Sorry to interrupt. (laughs) No, you're
1: right. You're right. But in this case, I I was stepping on, on the bottom cords of trusses. And I accidentally stepped on a plumbing vent. And of course, the vent goes all the way down and it connects to the drain for the bathtub. And it had a slip joint connection, which was just barely connected. And it was enough to knock that slip joint connection loose. So then later when we, when we filled the bathtub and we drain it, instead of it all draining, the water all drained down to the ceiling below and through <coughs> the ceiling of the garage. And it was just water pouring into the garage. We wrecked that ceiling, had to pay for that to get fixed. Mm. That's fun.
0: at least it was in the garage.
1: At least it was in the garage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Could have been a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Yep. All that water ended up on the concrete floor. It wasn't mm. the end of the world. We, we paid for a new ceiling, it was probably about a thousand bucks or something.
2: Yeah. It really sucks when it comes through all the lights in the ceiling in the kitchen.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Tess. I've shared my story on this podcast. I know I have.
2: Well, I'm thinking of my story, and I know we've talked about it too.
1: Well, share it again. Let's hear it, Tess.
2: Oh, gosh. Well, this was when we had an inspector in training, and uh, we were both kind of bouncing around, inspecting different things. And we had the tub running, and of course, it got away from us. And next thing you know, I'm standing in the kitchen, and I'm talking to the client's (laughs) And water drips down from the recessed can light and falls right between me and the client as we're having a conversation and lands on the counter. And I, I, it hit me. I, I was like, oh, my God. Immediately, I knew, like... I, that tub is running and it has flooded the bathroom. So I calmly say, "Will you excuse me for a second? And I <laughs> run upstairs, and it's overflowing. That the floor is flooded, and I, I shut off the water right away and start mopping it up with the towels and let the tub drain. But the damage has been done. There's a ton of water in the ceiling that continues to drip through, and the clients are there watching it unfold, and it was horrendous. And I, I remember, I think I called, I called you too, Ruben, and I and I was just horrified at what had happened and, and you're like, well, you know, I can't fault you for anything that I've done. I've been there. And I was like, what? That's <laughs> You're not going to yell at me? You're <laughs> not going to owe thousands of dollars? So like, well, I've done it too.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. I did the same thing. Training Georgian, forgot all about a bathtub and we didn't find out till we were in the basement and the clients were like, why is there water coming out of the ceiling in our basement? And it had oh. gone through two levels. That was- Awful. I oh. and still to this day, that's that's certainly the worst home inspection mistake I've ever made. That really made me question what business I had being a home inspector. But, uh I lost. I'm glad a you lot stuck of with it. That. Yeah, I'm glad too. I'm glad too. But boy, <laughs> I, I questioned myself for a long time after. That's that.
2: That's painful. Yeah,
1: so painful.
0: Mm. Just so that story of your tub, which it, there's always like another layer to it. As it turns out, I was just shadowing with Ruben on that call because I was about to take over the complaints. And uh, we walk in there and and I had a pontoon boat that I sold to somebody. And I walk in and I, I look at the person. I'm like, Mary? And she's like, Bill? I'm like, what are you doing here? This is my house. I'm like, oh, yeah. Wow. We're here. To, and so anyway, but that lady turns out to be uh, that my neighbor's best friend growing up so it, there's it's oh even more gosh. weird so anyway
2: small world yeah well, thanks very for saving my butt on that one
0: well I, I mean what can you do it's it's time to fix things it's you can only cry over smelled milk for a p- short period of time
1: yep yep you're gonna make an omelet you gotta crack a few eggs no that's <laughs> not our company policy I'm just kidding <laughs> 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 uh, uh, uh. All right. This one, we've surely shared this on the podcast. Always make sure that you're at the right house. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've done that more than once. A number of people on our team have done that actually. It's so much easier than you might think. I mean, on paper, it seems impossible to do, but in the moment, I mean, there, there was one instance where I was supposed to show up at 4932 Chicago and I I wasn't totally paying attention where I was going and I turned on to Columbus or something like that it was it was two c's right in a row and i turned a block early just thinking i'm looking for c and there's 4932 and it was the people living there didn't speak english they spoke spanish and the agent all of her clients always spoke Spanish. So I just kind of figured I'm at the right house. This, this all fits. And I I said, I'm there to do the inspection. And they were very confused. They're like, no, what do you, you and there was a language barrier They kind of shaken their head. And I was doing a truth and housing evaluation for Minneapolis. So I've got my city badge says Minneapolis and I'm insisting, yes, yes, I'm supposed to be here. And I show them and, and I got my clipboard. So I went through and I did the better part of a truth in housing evaluation and the whole time they're just kind of looking at me sideways like why is he here and then finally a half hour later the agent calls and she's going Ruben where are you and I said I'm at the (laughs) house and she's like no you are not I'm at the house. Oh, <laughs> and so God. I hightailed it out of there pretty quickly. Thank you. Thank you. And they're like, yeah, don't let the door hit you on the way out. They, they were glad to see me leave. And I showed up at the right house. But I just, I bullied my way in. I acted like oh. I had business being there. So Gosh. yeah, always That's- make sure you're at the right house.
2: That's, that's it's so embarrassing. And you know what, so if if, if that would have happened today, like there could be lawsuits involved with something like that. Don't you think? Maybe? Uh, possibly
1: so. Possibly so. Yeah.
2: Oh, I bet you really scared them. Why is this guy with a badge from the city forcing his way into my house? What's going to happen uh, to me?
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yikes. Yep. What else? We, you know what? We were talking about ladders. I forgot one on ladders is never put your extension ladder. On your vehicle without tying it down immediately. I remember when I was fairly new, I, I didn't really have the, the tie down method very good on my vehicle. I didn't know exactly how to tie it down. I kind of stumbled through it. So, one of the first times I'd use my extension ladder, I'm all done. I go to put it back on my truck, and the clients are outside with me, and I don't want them to stare at me fumbling around tying this down for five minutes. So, I just put it on top of the truck. I figure I'll do this later after they leave. They don't need to see me bumbling around. Well, Fast forward to I'm driving down the road without my ladder attached and I see the ladder start to slide over to the side and I'm able to slowly pull over and I, I got it all reattached, but that could have been really bad. I mean, somebody could have been killed. That could have been a nasty
0: car accident. that so, yeah, you see that ladder, yeah, yeah, the ladder debris on the shoulder and you're like, it's a yeah, a 28 footer and 48 pieces.
2: I, f- yep. I feel less stupid now. I did the exact same thing, Ruben, for the exact same reason. And, but luckily I didn't get on the freeway. It was like a, it was a older neighborhood. And so I was on my way through the neighborhood and then I, then it hit me. I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot to tie down my ladder.
1: (laughs) Yes. So scary. So my, my lesson there, if you put uh, from that day forward, if I put my ladder on top of my truck, it gets tied down immediately.
2: immediately.
1: I will not remember to come back. Another one is never put your tools down out of sight. I remember the first time I left a tool at a house, it was my little giant ladder. How do you leave a ladder at a house? Well, I was using it in the backyard for something, set it down in the backyard, should have set it down, taken the time to put it down in the front yard. And I left my little giant there. One of the first inspections I ever did. Never made that mistake again. But that applies to everything. I've left left sunglasses at houses. I've Mm -hmm. left inside shoes. My laptop, flashlight, infrared camera. Impact drill. Impact drill for you. That was sad. Did you get it back?
2: No. Oh,
1: yeah. I tried. And then people are like, nope, there's no drill here. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) Yeah.
2: That was a nice one. Milwaukee.
1: Yep. So when when you're done with your tool, put it in your walking path. Don't put it on a shelf in the utility room because the second (laughs) you set it down, it's gone. You ain't coming back to it. Yeah, it, it takes just a little bit more time, but never put stuff down
0: where it's not
1: going to be blocking your path.
0: Yeah, is that wrapping up your list? I mean,
1: all right, I got one more bill, one more. I know I've okay. told the story on the podcast. It's your
0: podcast, you can go as long as you want. Huh?
1: Okay, well, I, I'm I feel like this is this episode's getting long. There's so many stories here, but last one is if you've got a natural gas appliance and someone hooked it up to a propane source. (laughs) Don't operate it. There. (laughs) There, There's your lesson. There was a house that had a propane source for for fuel and they had an oven that they didn't convert from natural gas to propane. And I, I knew what was going on when I turned on the burners because it was this big aggressive yellow flame like coming out of each one of the burners. And I took pictures of it, you know, there's flames like three inches in the air because propane has so much energy, but I had also turned on the oven. And so I go to check on the oven, I open the door. And what happened was the whole time you've got this propane coming in, about half the propane is burning. The other half is just filling inside the oven. And it doesn't have the right fuel to air ratio for any of that to combust. But as soon as I opened the door, I totally changed that ratio and it all exploded at once right in my face. And I I singed my eyebrows and I yelled. I mean, it was an explosion and I've never done that again. Now, if if it's the wrong fuel type, as soon as you know it's the wrong fuel type, turn off the appliance and be done with it. That's it.
2: You're lucky it wasn't worse than that.
1: I'm very lucky it wasn't worse than that. You're right, Tess. Could have been. Oh, my been. gosh. Yep. Crazy, crazy all stuff. Right. I, I've surely got way more, but, you know. That's Do you really me. have
0: more on your list?
1: Well, just just last week when, when we had my dad on, I brought up all these other ones that uh, I hadn't thought of and couldn't. Or put in my blog beforehand, and and as I'm telling these, I keep thinking of more that I didn't come up with earlier. I'm not. I, we we got to end this list at some point, but Tess, you got some more, don't you? Yeah, Tess, oh do my share. Do gosh. share.
2: Well, no, I I agree with you. It's like as you talk, then I then these memories come back up. But I just this one that was absolutely ridiculous. The sellers had cats, and they left a note behind. They said. The cats will try to escape, so make sure you're, you know, you keep the door closed. And I'm, you know, I'm like, what? Well, th- this is completely unfair because <laughs> we had buyers that were showing up. I, I mean, there were like at least two people there, the buyers, and maybe they had a, another person show up too, and the agent, and we're all coming and going. And um, sure enough, like at some point during the inspection, like one of the cats made a run for it, saw the door open. And left, and spent probably the next hour trying to chase a cat through the neighborhood oh, to get it
0: back. The neighborhood, in.
2: yes, oh. yes, it was, it was running into neighbors' bushes, and it—I mean, it was just, it was a nightmare. And I was, I was so mad. I was like, who? leaves a cat behind when they know their cat tries to escape it's like you know they set me up to fail
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. there's no way like if juggers got out there's no way you're corralling that guy because he would he'd be like oh this is a game of keep away but you got the cat
2: yeah we cornered it and yeah and grabbed it out of a bush and then got it back but i mean it was just it was ridiculous and uh yeah, I'll never forget that. I had a cat get into an attic one time while I was crawling around in an attic, and I, I'm shining my flashlight, and I'm scanning around. All of a sudden, I see the cat up there. I'm like, oh, shoot. So then I had to herd that thing out of the attic, and that took me a while. So yeah, I just... Just in general, I've had cats bite people during an inspection and there was a cat sitting on a, on a stairway to a basement one time. And I remember I, I, tried to walk past it and it like hissed and, and lunged at me. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay, well the basement can wait. And next thing I know I hear the client and the agent scream because they tried to go in the basement and the cat attacked them. And I was just like, what?
1: <gasps> oh boy.
2: So I don't know if this is just me. It seems like I've had a lot of cat stories. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Yep. I'm a dog person.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I could keep going too. I The only one that stands out to me too, I, I know we've talked about this on, the, on another podcast, but leave everything exactly the way you found it. There was a house I remember I was testing the water heater to make sure it wasn't backdrafting and I got impatient. And instead of just turning on the hot water and waiting for it to kick on, I adjusted the temperature on it turned it up, and forgot to turn it back down. And uh, I think that complaint made it all the way to you, Ruben,
1: didn't it? I don't even remember that one.
2: That was the house where the buyer was was following me every step of the way. And on the exterior of the house, I was kind of talking her through what we were seeing. And I pointed out the dryer duct that was had a screen over it and was clogged with lint. And Next thing I know, she's climbing up my ladder to, to clean it. I remember and that. Same house. So the seller was so mad about the water heater and then about the screen being removed
1: on their dryer duct. And what was their issue with the water heater? Was it the fact that it was too hot or what? Too
2: hot. Yeah. Water was too hot.
1: Yeah. I I, I just don't even know what to say.
2: Well, I-, I mean, I think we saved their dryer duct from starting on fire. They weren't happy about that. They were nope. pissed that we removed the screen. So.
1: And it wasn't even you that removed the screen. No, yeah, it, was it was the, the buyer. buyer. I remember it was the yes. buyer who did that. Yeah, the buyer. Yep.
0: Yeah,
2: I couldn't yeah. stop her. She was just she was everywhere. So,
1: but that's that's solid. <laughs> Sounds advice. like a
0: cat that got into the attic. Yes. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Always leave the house exactly the way you found it. That is very good advice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. Any more war stories?
1: We, we got to bring the show to a close. I mean, yes, we got more, but we, we can't go all day here, Bill.
0: People are going to begin to feel sorry for you.
1: <laughs> Probably so.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I'm pretty sure I've made more mistakes than any other home inspector on the planet. Prove me wrong, like I said at the beginning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, Record your podcast of mistakes and send it to Ruben. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, send us your mistakes. It'd be fun to kind of read from the audience if people have good stories to share. We'd love to hear them.
1: That would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Send I'd us love your, to hear your, some bigger your ones. Your and worst... you can make them anonymous. Yes. Yeah. You don't, you know, you can just, you can make up a name. I don't care. Send your stories to podcast at com. We'd love to share them. The world needs
0: to hear. <laughs> yeah.
2: We can with all that. learn from your mistake, from our, our mistakes.
0: Yep. And with that, we will bring this episode to a close. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing your horror stories when you do. And we'll catch you next time. Hi, everybody. Bill here again with Structure Talk. We really want to thank you for listening to this podcast. It's been a ton of fun for us to put this presentation together. And if you could, we would love it if you would go to any of the podcast platforms where you find Structure Talk and leave us a rating and subscribe to the show. You can also subscribe to our blog at StructureTech.com. And, of course, you can listen to the show on the Internet at StructureTalk.com. Dot .com. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate the support, and if you have any suggestions for show topics, please email them to podcast@structuretech.com. Thanks for listening.